Welcome back, everyone, to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. And I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today we have a very special guest. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Uh, Hi, I'm Noel Murray. I'm a freelance writer living in Arkansas. I write for such publications as the AV Club, uh, the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, and Rolling Stone. You are by far the most impressive guest that we have had so far. <laughs> That's pretty kind of you to say. Thank you for uh, joining us on the show. Glad to be here. Uh, and today we are looking at minutes 21 and 22 of the Muppet movie. Uh, this clip begins with Fozzie backing up into Doc Hopper's car. And then it goes into the song that gave this podcast its title, Moving Right Along. And that pretty much uh, makes up the rest of these two minutes. So, um, yeah, we, ha- we get a glimpse of Doc Hopper here at the very end. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, there you, you start to kind of see um, the, the seeds of discontent between Doc Hopper and Max when uh, Hopper tells him to follow that frog. And uh, Max is like, oh, but you promised me a reward. And he immediately just yells at him. Well, something I never thought about until watching it for this podcast today. This is the only time Max mentions a reward, right? I guess so. Like, there's, there's some backstory here where Max and Doc Hopper had a meeting. And Doc Hopper was like, well, you find me a spokes frog and I'll give you a reward or something, right? Like, <laughs> and then it never, like... This seems like watching it now, it feels like that should be a bigger thing for Max. Like it should come up again. Yeah, that Doc Hopper stiffed him out of his reward. Right? I guess so. Yeah, but but do you want that to be true? I mean, part of the great charm of the movie is the fact that Max at the end, you know, kind of spoiled the the later in the film. Yes, I think most people have seen it. Yeah, we're assuming the kids have seen the mother movie. Ideas that they're not actually watching it two minutes at a time for the first right. time while they do the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a moment later in the film when, when Max, you know, buys uh, uh, Dr. Copper and, and, and helps the Muppets. So I think that uh, if it was just a mercenary thing, I think that would be. Right. I suppose, yeah, I suppose like it, it's good that Max isn't more concerned with the reward, is what you're saying? That Yeah, yeah. We're, we're laying the groundwork for him to have his change of heart later on. Yeah. Yeah, I can buy that. Yeah. I will say one thing about this scene is when Fozzie hits the car, um, when Fozzie hits Max's car, Doc Hopper says, hey, that's my caddy. Yeah. Meaning, of course, meaning, of course, his Cadillac. When I was a kid, I thought that he meant like a golf caddy and he was calling Max his caddy. (laughs) (laughs) Max probably is his caddy. He probably is, but it's 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 like a very golfer caddy relationship. And my dad's a big golfer, right? And I like I would be his caddy out on the out on the links or whatever. Yeah. So I just assumed, of course, that's what he meant. That was your point of reference for that word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I ask uh, how old you guys are? Sure. Um, I'm just about to turn thirty-three. So I was born in nineteen eighty-four. I am thirty-six. I'm old enough that I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> 
So neither of you would have would have seen this movie when it actually first came out. No. Okay. No. Did, did, uh, did you see it in the theater? No. I, I did actually. Yes, I'm I'm 47 years old, so uh, I, I saw the film in its original theatrical release, and uh, it was my first actual exposure to Austin Pendleton, who was you know a great character actor who's been in many many things, and it, it you know it, it, to, to to the point where I actually it wasn't until I revisited that movie later on in my life that I realized that's who it was. Sure. Like, yeah. Like he's, like he's such a good character actor. He's been like in so many different things. It, it never actually, I never thought to myself, Oh, that's the guy from up in front of the movie. Like when, like when I first saw him in, in films later on, like uh, my cousin, Vinny or, you know, other films like that. Yeah. Or you, you would not have seen Fiddler on the roof when you saw, you know, at the age that you saw the Muppet movie. Yeah, exactly. And nor was I aware of this whole, you know, uh, upbringing in the New York theater or any of that kind of stuff. No. Right. That makes, see, whereas I have always had the opposite experience where every time I've seen him, because I, I think I saw him in the Muppet movie so many times before I saw him in anything else. You know, we, we had the VHS as, you know, when I was a kid. And I saw him in the Muppet movie so often that by the time I saw my cousin Vinny or the front page, you know, or whatever, it's just like, oh, there's Max. There's, there, there's <laughs> old Max showing up in other movies. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think I sort of grew up thinking of him equally as Max and as the, the stuffy, uh, like, science uh boss guy from short circuit ah yeah short circuit yeah that's a good one yeah um all right so then the the next thing we see is a a really beautiful shot of the studebaker driving toward us as the sun rises which it never really occurred to me but i guess this is just supposed to be like kermit and Fozzie have been driving all night now the sun's coming up and it's a new day well if, if we could go back to before the sun rises sure um I think the the shot of the Studebaker backing up into Max's car and then hitting the the traffic um, barrier, I think that that is the most effective shot of Fozzie driving a car in this movie. Because we see the it's a nice wide shot of the whole car, but we can clearly see that Fozzie is driving. Whereas, like, during the song, it's mostly either close-ups of them in the cab or shots that are too wide to really see Kermit and Fozzie. Right. I'm, 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 I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because, you know, uh, this, these two minutes, you know, the, the main thing that we could talk about, I guess, is the song, which begins. And, of course, this is the name of the podcast, so it's, it's an important thing, and we should, we should bring it up. But to me, what struck out from watching these two minutes was uh, the scenes of the, the way that car is shot. Uh, the fact that, you know, it's not the Muppets in a car in front of green screen. It is the Muppets clearly in a car, in an actual car out in the real world. And you can tell that because of the way the shadows move uh, inside the car as they're driving along. Uh, that's the kind of thing, right. that's the kind of effect you couldn't quite get with a, a green screen and lights. You know, one of the great charms to me of this movie is the way they kind of combine the low tech uh, quality of the Muppets themselves but by, by, by taking that low-tech Muppet thing and then putting them in the real world, by putting them next to actual water, actual car, with an actual you know, sun coming in. I, I mean, I, I can't really define the quality. It's not necessarily that it makes them more realistic. It's just kind of beautiful in a weird way. It's something very, very beautiful and, and very charming about it to me. Right, right. Maybe not more realistic, but certainly more it makes the world feel more real, even if the Muppets themselves don't maybe like it's, 
it, it's almost more jarring that the Muppets are in what is clearly the real world interacting with tactile things. Yeah, exactly. You know, which obviously you couldn't do with, you know, um, uh, a movie from around the same time, something like Pete's Dragon. Right. Where, where Elliot the dragon is clearly not interacting with anything because he's a cartoon. I mean, what's funny is my memory from the movie when it came out, I remember critics like Roger Ebert. And yes, at age, you know, seven or eight, I actually was aware of Roger Ebert, which is how big of a movie nerd I was. Even at sure. uh, you know, I remember him actually commenting on the fact that you know, how impressive it was that you could see, you know, Kermit riding a bicycle. Um, and then now, of course, you know, Fozzie and Kermit riding in a car. Something about something that simple you know, compared to it, this, this is like a year or two around the same time that Star Wars came out. So, you mm-hmm. know, Star Wars is the cutting of the special effects, and yet putting a puppet in the car <laughs> is like every bit as right. beautiful in a way as like, you know, creating the Death Star. Sure, yeah. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, a- another shot, I think, that gives me that same feeling later on in these minutes, d- during the song, um, right at the end of these two minutes, we have that great helicopter shot where the Studebaker turns around in a four-way intersection. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. It's it's not necessary, but it's just, yeah, it's just such a such a cool shot. Well, it's one of those touches that makes it so clear that this is not just some puppet movie for little kids or something, you know? That they are putting so much more effort into this movie than they strictly needed to. <laughs> And this is after, I guess, uh, they come to the fork in the road. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. After the fork in the road, yeah. <laughs> Which... Yeah, we do have the fork in the road in this clip. Um, it's it's a really big fork. Um, it's one of those jokes that, as a little kid, I'm sure I didn't get because you just take everything at face value. Like, of course, it's a fork in the road. What else would it be? Hmm. Right. Well, I think when I was a little kid, the joke is how big the fork is. Like you said, like I didn't I didn't know the term come to a fork in the road but it's like there's a fork in the road look how big it is it's like a giant sized fork yeah it's um, a really big fork <laughs> did do, do either of you guys know the book david's father by robert munch no no which is a, which is about a little girl who goes over to her friend's house her friend is adopted and her friend's father is a giant huh and so it's all just visual gags about the giant things that they have in the house and that he's eating for dinner while they eat regular sized foods, whatever. But the cover of the book is this boy looking as, or the girl, the little girl looking as um, two workmen carry the giant fork and knife to the dad's plate. And so the giant fork in the road here always reminded me of that book as a kid. Mm-hmm. That's funny. This is getting uh, way off on a, another tangent, but that story reminds me of that that DC Comics uh, dictionary where Superman is carrying a giant spoon like to a giant so he can eat ice cream or something. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have, actually. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <laughs> we, we all have fond memories of giant silverware. <laughs> well, to me, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about the context of when this movie came out and, and that particular joke... You know, much like, uh, you know, the special effects uh, has to be compared to some extent to what was going on with Star Wars and other films. That gag, you know, that this is this film is about, I guess, if I'm doing the math right, a year, two years before Airplane, two years after Kentucky Fried Movie. So, you know, it's kind of a, it, you know, that, that particular that, that joke of literalizing a, uh, a common expression 
which has become the hallmark of uh, the Zucker Abrams Zucker films. Uh, you know, is, is here in 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 the Muppet movie, and and not just here. I mean, it's like throughout the film they do that kind of uh, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, this doesn't really get mentioned along with those kind of movies, but maybe it should. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, that particular kind of humor, um, which I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how far back you can trace that, but just t- taking something that people say and then giving it a literal, a literal image, you know, uh, is a, it, it works. What can I say? It's a visual gag, but it works. It works when right. the Muppets do it. It's, I don't know if anyone or everyone could pull it off, but they can do it. Yeah, exactly. But although um, already in the movie, we had another very good example of that, which was the drinks on the house joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Another <laughs> joke I did not get as a kid. Maybe I was just a dumb kid. <laughs> well, that's, that's possible. It's also possible, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I found some stuff on Muppet Wiki about how Fozzie drove the Studebaker. Um, I don't know if, if uh, you guys have ever looked into that or if, if you've ever wanted to have the magic spoiled for you or not wanted the magic spoiled for you. Spoil away, man. But um, So this this was taken from the Muppet Show fan club newsletter at the time. Uh, it said, how does Fozzie drive a car? He doesn't. Um, and then this is the word that they used. We would probably use a different word today, but it says, a midget drives the car by remote control from the trunk using a television monitor to guide his steering. The puppeteers were lying on the seat or were scrunched on the floor and couldn't see a thing. The first time they tried driving, the television monitor went on the blink and the driver had to be talked through the scene by an assistant director on a walkie-talkie. A little to the right, now to the left, hold it. So as if they're not already, like, nobody had ever done anything like this before. It must have been terrifying. And then their monitor went out. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, um, although the thing about the monitor itself is... I'm sure you guys both know this, but that's how they, that's basically what the puppeteers were looking at too on the Muppet show and Sesame street and every Muppet thing. Yeah. The so they were used to that. Looking out their little monitors and they're, you know, performing their characters. So do we know who the driver was? Was it, was it a Muppet performer? Probably not. Right. Probably like a stunt driver. Um, well, I mean, I guess it, they, they must've specially made these cars. So the, you know, the, little person could drive from the trunk and then I guess that left room for the puppeteers up front just to yeah I, I don't know exactly like I don't know if that means the engine was in the same place or or how exactly right. that yeah. works yeah yeah I mean, to, to be fair they are in the middle of nowhere so there's not like they have a you know they're, they're not in imminent danger of being smashed by a truck or anything that's like that true and presumably all the, the highways were blocked off for filming so <laughs> exactly um, but yeah, that so that's oh. you know Frank Oz and whoever is right-handing him, and then Jim Henson, and then possibly another performer. I don't know if if uh, is Kermit moving both his hands when he plays the banjo. Well, there are definitely shots. Like there's one shot um, towards the beginning of the song, which is such a nice little touch that I love, where Kermit looks down and it looks like he's adjusting his cord. Like it looks like he's changing his fingering on his banjo. Hmm. Oh, okay. I love those moments. Which could easily be Jim, though, too. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He, he, has, he has two hands. Kermit only moves one hand. So, you know, he could be just adjusting it slightly himself. That would make the most sense. But it does make Kermit feel very real, that while playing the song, he has to look down and check to make sure he's, he has the next chord right. Yeah, it's just these little details. Uh, and then the other thing I have about the Studebaker is that 
They use two of them in the movie. One of them is currently on display at the Studebaker National Museum in South Bend, Indiana, so you can go see it there. But uh, the car's paint is not in such good shape, so if you'd like to make a donation to help them restore that uh, Studebaker, you can do so at studebakermuseum.org. Nice. That's a worthy cause. Yeah, for sure. So it was the Studebaker factory in South Bend or something? You know, is that why is that why the museum's there? Oh, I don't know. That's a good guess, though. Huh. Yeah, that's fascinating. So, yeah, that's all I have for uh, specific notes on these minutes. Um, well, we, we, uh, we should talk about the song, because the song begins, uh, you know, here in these minutes, right? The, the, the song is not before this, is it? No, it's, yeah, that, this, what, what we see here when the sun comes up, that's the start of Moving Right Along. Okay, and I know that, you know, obviously the next two minutes you guys do will probably be more about about the song, because that's, that's you know, the, the heart of it, but... Um, you know, I was looking back at my notes that I've taken uh, on this movie uh, in the past because I, I wrote a long review of the Blu-ray release for the Dissolve uh, uh, several years ago, uh, and I think the Dissolve also did uh, this movie as one of our movies of the week. Uh, you before. sure did. Yeah, I was, I was, I was a huge Dissolve fan, and that was a thrill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I saw that that was going to be movie of the week. So I was looking back at. Uh, you know, I had a, a, a discussion with Tasha Robinson, my, my friend and colleague, this film. And, uh, you know, we talked about the music in the film and talked about, uh, uh, you know, some of the different aspects that, that you know, that, that resonate with us more now. And, you know, we're talking about the performing of Jim Henson and, and moving the hands on the banjo and things like that. You know, what, what, I, what I made note of several years ago that I wanted to bring up is the fact that I don't think we talk enough about the fact that, uh, you know, Jim Henson and Frank Oz are singing this song as Kermit the Frog and Fozzie Bear, right? They're not singing as Jim Henson and Frank Oz. They're singing in character, and yet the song is fantastic. Like, like, like there's, there's so much personality in their vocal performance, and there's so much joy um, and so much musicality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, the, the layers of what they are able to accomplish with, with, with this performance is, you know, I don't know. I, I just think it's worth... You, 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 it's it's so good that you don't notice it. You know what I mean? It's like it's almost seamless. And I think that's exactly the thing. You know, Ryan and I write for Tough Pigs. We, we're thinking about Muppets every single day. <laughs> so I really do think that we take stuff like that for granted. So like We definitely you know, like do. A, a, a Muppet fan such as yourself, who doesn't wake up every morning thinking about them, <laughs> really does bring like a better perspective to appreciate the kind of things that we're just like, oh yeah, that's that's the performers. They're all great. What else? What else can we talk about? You know. And yeah, you, you kind of pause and go, oh yeah, they are really brilliant. Yeah, and and it's a great song. I mean, it's this Paul Williams, Kenny Asher. You know, uh, uh, I that's the best. I assume that they wrote this song as well, right? They, 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 yeah, they wrote, yeah. Sort of all this. Yeah, um, actually, we interviewed Paul Williams a few years ago. He said he thought this one might have been the first song that they wrote for the movie. He wasn't certain, but it, it seemed to him like this was the first one they wrote. I mean, do you know how hard it is to write a memorable original song for a movie musical? I mean, it's like that's why there's so few original movie musicals these days, because it's just not that easy to actually create. Even something like, you know, La La Land last year, you know, there are a couple of songs in that movie that are memorable, but but out of the entire score, there's. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's like it's 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 that's that's such a, a gift. And this right. movie, this, oh, this, sure. this movie has, has rainbow connection. It has moving right along. That's that's yeah. That's 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 something. 
Yeah, I don't know. It remains to be seen if La La Land has any songs that people will be singing in 40 years. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think that all of the Muppet movies have some good songs. Um, I think that this one has the best song score still of all, you know, seven musicals that they've made. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just hit after hit, you know, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. <laughs> exactly. I would probably agree with that. But, um, yeah, no, and like, like you say, moving right along is really kind of just getting started, and we have to, we have to save some material for next week. But uh, one thing that we're, we're getting back to selling the illusion during the song, I love that Hermit has the roadmap out and is just like trying to find where they need to turn, which is, again, a, another small thing that could just as easily not be there and helps sell the illusion that they are actually on a road trip in 1979. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And it's so true to the, the the characters and the whole premise of the movie that they're you know they're just kind of figuring it out as they go along. Right. Yeah. They don't. They don't. Well. Although I will say they do say we don't need a map to get the show on the road, but Kermit's looking at the map anyway. Ooh. <laughs> I hope somebody got fired for that. <laughs> yeah. Who was it? James Frawley <laughs> should have gotten. <laughs> yep. We're not following the lyrics to the song. One other thing I did want to mention, not about the, not about the song, but this is just speculation. In, on, uh, according on on wiki, it says that the movie was filmed in California and New Mexico. According to uh, a pamphlet released by the New Mexico Tourism Board in 1998, called "100 Years of Filmmaking in New Mexico," some of the Muppet movie was shot in New Mexico. So I kind of wonder if some of these outdoor vistas aren't some of the New Mexico portion. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I've never, actually never been to that state. It doesn't look like what I imagine that state would look like, but, uh, you know, what do I know? Well, they do have mountains, and there are mountains in these minutes. <laughs> right. The, my, my main reason for speculating that is that I'm thinking of, like, the wide shots where we can't really see Kermit and Fozzie, Right. And it seems possible to me that they might have just taken like a second unit there to shoot some of this car stuff. I don't know. That's, that's just me theorizing. Hmm. Yeah. Or they could have just hired a, another bear and another frog to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> of course. All right. Um, so yeah, that's moving right along. Anything else on the song or these minutes? Uh, I think that's about all I have, except to mention that, uh, the line, uh, uh, yellow Capit is a uh, is a great line, but, but beyond yeah, that, it's so good. <laughs> beyond that, I got nothing else. Yeah, and Kermit is so startled by it. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, why wouldn't he be? Right. Well, and that the way Kermit repeats Cabot like you're being ridiculous is such <laughs> a like that is that that is Kermit and Fozzie's relationship in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fozzie Fozzie is like I'm doing a joke that I just came up with, and Kermit's response is You shouldn't have done that joke. <laughs> right that's it exactly yeah <laughs> you know it's great it's perfect yeah um and so no you said you saw this in the theater when it was released uh initially yes that's true how do you rank this among all of the muppet movies is it at the top of your list near the top of your list it is the top of the list uh you know i when i was younger i had uh, a lot of affection for uh the great muppet caper because that was on cable a lot when I was a kid, right when we had cable for the first time. So I watched that one over and over and over again. 
but the, the Muppet movie, not only did I see it in a theater when it came out, but one of my friends actually had the, uh, uh, the early proto version of the laser disc. It wasn't called a laser disc. It was called something else. I can't remember what it was called. Was oh, it an is RCA that Selectivision? Selectivision? <laughs> yes. Yes. It was the RCA Selectivision. Uh, and so when, whenever I would go to his house for sleepovers, uh, they had that movie. Um, oh, wow. we'd, we'd watch it. We'd watch it through the weird thing it did where it skipped, which is kind of a, a, a glitch of that particular uh, technology. Um, so, yeah. So I, I have fond memories of that as well. But, uh, uh, you know, I think as, as time has gone by, I've, I've come back to this film more than the other ones, which is not in any way a knock on the other films, uh, many of which I really love. But this is this this to me is the both the best uh, piece of, of filmmaking um, and the, the most moving story, I think, of all of all the films. Sure. Yeah, I can't I can't quibble with either of those. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good choice. So. All right. Uh, I guess uh, with that, we will wrap things up. Um, as always, you can find us uh, at toughpigs.com on the internet and various social media. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. Anthony is at Zeppo Marxist. And Noel, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Noelmu. That's N O E L M U. Uh, the Tumblr is Hey Hey in the Hayloft. H E Y H E Y in the H A Y L O F T. All right. Is that a is that a Sullivan's Travel reference? You got it, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, make sure you don't go to the competing Tumblr, Ants in Your Plants of 1939. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, that, 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 that guy's a jerk. Don't go to that guy. <laughs> no, definitely don't go to that Tumblr. All right. So, uh, yes, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you once again, Noel, for joining us this week. Glad to be here. And everyone else, uh, be sure to tune in next week for another Movin' Right Along. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.